Thank you, Vernon, and thank you for being here this morning. Uh, wasn't the, the devotional time great to hear Brandon, hear his story, and to hear his encouraging words? Uh, I saw two other people wearing coats, and I happen to have one on. I'm, I'm, I'm one of three, and I, this is my John Simpson appearance. If you know John Simpson, I'll, I'll tell you why I'm telling you that. John Simpson's a longtime gospel preacher in the area. He's older than I am, but at the same time, he was trying out at a church. And he got up to preach his uh, introductory sermon. And uh, he said, now I have on my best outfit today. And he said, my wife's sitting right down there. She has on her best outfit. And my children are dressed the best they can be. Now, if you'll just cut that in about half, that's what you'll have when you get me in this pulpit. So I'm thinking you cut me at least in half. I, I wore a coat, but it seems like it's out of place. But at any rate, I'm glad to be here. So cut it in about half, and then we'll get on with what we're doing. I am grateful for the privilege and the invitation that the Vernon extended uh, to be here. And I'm excited to see what's going on and to hear the things that are going on, to see the people that are involved at the grassroots level of helping those get started again. Um, my question to you as we start, and well, my statement first of all, is to say that the uh, number of resources I've tried to use in getting ready for this today, and they're good resources. Spiritual Mentoring by Keith Anderson and Randy Reese is one of them. Uh, developing Leaders Around You with John Maxwell, and then some notes that I've uh, gained over the years from Dr. Everett Hufford. Uh, so I'll make uh, no more reference to that, but I'm kind of like Randy Harris was. If you've heard that before, then that's where I got it. Uh, you know, that kind of dismisses everything else, I guess. But I want to share something with you, several things with you, that I hope will encourage you in what you're doing. Um, I want to ask, and maybe uh, this is too large a group to get much of a response, but at any rate, uh, if you have a response, what your mentoring experiences are. What are things that you've learned in your mentoring efforts because this is about reentry and spiritual mentoring for those who are coming just like Brandon getting out and getting started back in life those folks are, are uh, going up a long hill sometimes but what are your experiences that you'd be willing to share for just a moment yes ma'am Yeah, what's your next job going to be? <laughs> no, you're exactly right. Life, and I want to make reference to that, but life is the best thing that we can bring to those that we're trying to work with. I won't ask 
uh, if there are any uh, individuals in here who are felons and who are trying to do what she says to do because she says those are the ones that need to talk to the folks that are coming out. I'm not, I'm not asking you to raise your hands, but I'm just, I'm just saying that life experience is really important. So that was a good, uh, a good uh, remark. Yes, ma'am. It does. And uh, that's all. Yeah, that's good. Oh, yes, sir, one more. Well, I uh, spent a lot of years in prison, even on death row. Uh, and now for the last 16 years, working in and out of the prison system and establishing programs, not only in Kansas City, but in New Orleans as well. One of the things that I've grown to know and to recognize, which is most important, is being able to listen. Mm-hmm. When you sit down, Very good. Well, I'm thinking I'll sit down and these three can come, become, a pa- become a panel here and we'll have a, have a good session together. Two of my mentors in this work are right in here. Vernon Perry is one of them. To learn from him. Others have learned from him. He says he's learned from others, but we're learning from him and know something about his story uh, and are encouraged by the way in which he continues to serve the Lord. So, brother, keep it up. And you may know Sally Cook. Sally Cook is here. Uh, longtime friend, and uh, she did not work, I don't think, she worked inside the prison, but she worked in foot homes for how many years? 25? 12. Oh, it seemed like 25, I guess. At 12 <laughs> years. For 12 years, and those people were in prison, not behind bars, but they were imprisoned in their minds and their location and the situation they were in. Sally, you've been a good example for me, and so thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, reentry issues are a place to live, a job, sufficient funds, appropriate friends. What we're striving to do in our work is to provide some spiritual counsel and some direction. What does it take to be a good mentor? Well, perhaps these suggestions will help. The ability to readily see potential in a person, a perspective that they have gifts, 
Uh, we're working out on a book uh, right now uh, that Philip Yancey is responsible for about prayer. Does it make any difference? And the, uh, one of the uh, items that, uh, that he talks about there is the view from above. And what that really means is look at people like God looks at them. And he uses the illustration because he likes to climb in the Colorado Rocky Mountains. And uh, he was up high in a mountain and looking down in the valley and saw a red and blue dot. And he wondered what that was. And he realized those were people, ultimately. And he said, I'm thinking this is kind of like God sees us. We're way off. But there's a view bigger than we are able to see sometimes down at our level. So look at people at, with that possibility. Tolerance of mistakes, brashness, abrasiveness in order to see that potential develops, making the most of teachable moments. Not everybody that you'll talk with is all that pleasant all the time. Uh, and they don't have pleasant circumstances. If, if you're in their circumstances, you might be feeling the same way. And especially flexibility. One of my favorite statements is, Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. Uh, that, that, describes the work, that describes the work that we're doing. Okay, so, so how, how, can, uh, how can mentors help? Well, number one, understand the task that we have going on. The purpose of our work is to get beneath the surface and to bring out what we know exists, but they don't know, bring out that inner spiritual freedom. Thomas Merton used this phrase, uncover the likeness of Christ in his soul or her soul. Because it exists. We know that it exists. That's why we're there. They don't know. Uh, Brandon mentioned the word hope. That that has to be instilled because it really is possible to do something better and different. But they don't see that. They don't see that they're made in the image of God just like we are. To help the minnery define himself or herself as a beloved child of God, all are made in the image of God. Spiritual mentoring is relational, ordinary. Uh, one thing we want to avoid, which is what you referred to, uh, is being superior to somebody who's inferior. Uh, you sit down with them and say, let me tell you, you know, you're in a bad spot and I'm in a superior spot and I have all the answers. That's really not a good plan. Uh, it not, it's not only not a good plan, it's not even true. Amen. And so there's no point in getting out on that limb. Uh, autobiographical, uh, autobiographical uh, being an approach about yourself, watching for where God might be at work, uh, that's looking back for us who are on the outside. Uh, depending on your kind of life, you have some experiences in your past that encourage you. When you get in a low spot, you remember, I was in a low spot before I got out. This person's never been in anything but a low spot while they're there. So they can't look back very well, and we have to help them uh, do that. You meet for conversations, you meet for prayer, you're encouraging, you're discerning, you're reminding of the spiritual identity that they have, wisdom giving when it's needed for decision making, empowerment, explanation and correction, and appeal for growth. All those things are wrapped up in the idea of being a spiritual mentoring. And as already been said, it requires listening. You're holding up a mirror to reflect the life of the mentoree not to make you brighter. You're trying to help them to see themselves and grow to be what they can be in God's sight. There's a process 
that uh, is recommended, and we're, we'll look through this uh, in our uh, brief time together. The process would be attraction, relationship, responsiveness, and accountability. Now, those words don't mean anything just yet. I hope they will in, in this process of what we're trying to do with spiritual mentoring. The attraction process is really paying attention to one another. You want to attract by the way you live. You want to show your love by creating an acceptance of that person as somebody who is of value. You must build some kind of trust. It's already been mentioned that the, uh, the, the lady back here said the reason that you are in touch with some folks is to build that trust so that when you get out, you still have that trust. Maybe that's the only person you do trust. You're suspicious of everybody except the one who's built that kind of trust. So uh, pay attention to one another and attract by your way of life and love and encouragement, creating that acceptance. Learn all you can from them. Uh, I'm a lifelong learner. I, I've been going to school for a long time. I think I may go some more. I'm not really sure. I need to, I'm sure. But... Uh, uh, I, I know that every day I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to learn something fresh. It's going to help me. If I'll just keep my antenna up, then I'm going to pick up some good things to learn. And I've already done that today, and I'm grateful for that. But learn all you can, yet be sure to practice your spirituality. Learning to pay attention to the presence of God in everything. And strengthen your faith in the process Use yourself as an example of experience, but not perfection. Uh, yeah, that's, that's why you tell your story. That's why it's autobiographical. Uh, they're interested in you. You're certainly interested in them, but they don't need to keep retelling their story. They know their story, but they need to know your story and when you were down in the ditch. And they need to hear how you got out because they want out uh, as soon as they can. They're kind of like the lady I visited a couple of days ago on the hospital and she was near death just a few just a couple of weeks back and I said to her uh, she's in one of our classes at church I said what do you want me to tell the class tonight because she's now able to talk she wasn't able to talk or do anything she said you tell them I love them all and I want to get out of here uh, and she has a plan to be out in a day or two it'd probably be a week or two or maybe a month because she's so seriously ill but that's the kind of desire you want within this individual to be able to work out, but help them with your experience, not your per perfection. You might want to suggest a covenant relationship. Now, this this obviously it have to be uh, if it if it fits. When I say a covenant relationship, I mean make some get some commitments on both sides, uh, so that you know this is a serious thing with me. You know, if you if you're not interested in me coming, then uh, be sure and let me know, and, and I'll spend time with somebody who is. Yeah. Uh, some of you in here may be working with HopeWorks or may be familiar with it at least. One of the things that HopeWorks does is to have faith encouragers for those students who are in that 13-week course uh, to come. But they have to say, as a, uh, a student, uh, I would like a faith encourager. It's not pushed on them. You don't have to have one. But you have to say, yes, I want one. And so when they do that, that opens the door for you to build a relationship and to have some kind of covenant. You might want to talk in this covenant about why you're meeting. What am I doing here? You might want to talk about where we're going to be. You might want to talk about what kind of relationship do we want to have. 
what kind do you want? What are you comfortable with? Maybe that person has experienced the fact that everybody that gets close to me ultimately stabs me in the back. You don't want to be that person, but it takes time for that to develop. So talk about when you're going to meet, what kind of relationship. Try to build some, some uh, curbs into this situation so that you're going down the same pathway together. And it's, it's not all over the place where you can't ever make a suggestion or listen to a suggestion and learn about it. So the first step in this process would be attraction. You make yourself a, a track, uh, attractive and uh, you consider that they are attractive and you let them know that. It's a mutual deal. It's, it's not a one-way street. It's not, I have all the answers and you have all the problems. That person has something to offer, but they need to learn that from you. They need encouragement in that because right now they're told to do everything that they're supposed to do and where they're supposed to be and when they do this and, what, and all that's going on when you're in prison. So that'd be the first step. The second step would be the relationship that grows out of that. <coughs> Trust is developed by listening. There's that word again. Trust is developed by listening. Uh, if you continue to listen to the person that you're trying to mentor, they'll soon get the idea, you know, I think they think I have something to say. They think I have a contribution to make. If you don't listen to them, then they, they probably won't offer much and they probably won't grow much. So it's important that you develop that by listening. Be open. Be transparent. Tell about your foibles, the days you went down, because they're there. You know, it's just a matter of recognizing them and being honest with yourself. Set some boundaries. Maybe there's some things you don't want to talk about or you don't think would be profitable to talk about. It may be something that you don't think they need to keep uh, rehearsing. Uh, uh, now and then I'll visit with somebody who's either out of prison or uh, has had a, had a really rough time, maybe you've been homeless or whatever. And most of the time in the conversation, and, and Bess, you, you'll know this person, I won't mention the name, uh, the, the conversation is always, I don't know why I'm in this mess. I was a responsible person, I had a job, I had a home, I had a car, I had all these things, and now I've lost it all. I don't know why. I've heard that speech every time I've talked to this individual. And I'm not sure how to change that, but what I've started, started saying is, you know, I've heard that, and you're reciting it really hasn't helped. You're not any better off than you were. You keep telling that. I'm thinking that's where you think you are, and you're not going to get anywhere else. Let's see if we can come up with a new thought. That's part of the relationship situation. Finally, you get to the point where you can say, well, you know, uh, we've talked about that, and I understand that is really difficult. I am so sorry about what's, what's happened to you and the experiences that you've had. But let me tell you some other things you might think about. Let's see if we can come up with some other ideas to plant in that head, because they're playing that tape over and over again, and it keeps them down here rather than being able to elevate them. Be hospitable. Be gracious. Be kind. Smile doesn't hurt anybody. You come into the room with a smile and you already look like you're on their side. You know, you, that, that, that's probably one of the few things. Uh, I've not walked around and looked at the wardens or the people that are controlling the prisons, but I'm pretty sure there's not a lot of smiles going on between those people and the prisoners that they work with. 
because that's not the way they feel like they should deal with them. And, and I'm not going to suggest how they should, but a smile from you as a mentor would be a really good thing. That just kind of sets the stage for something else. In short, be a friend, but not an enabler. Be a friend, but not an enabler. Um, Montgomery. Did you introduce me to him this morning? Clarence Montgomery? Oh, here he is. Clarence, tell, tell us quickly what you did when the lady said, I am so hungry and I need something. That, that, this, this is what he did. He did not enable. He helped. Well, he's telling the short version of it. She stopped him out on the set. I, I'm hungry, and, and can you give me a dollar? And he just said, I have a few dollars, and come on, we'll go in here and get it. She said, I can't go in there. They, don't, they won't let me. They run me out because they, they know I, I don't have a place to go, and they don't want me begging in there and doing everything. So he went in for her, got the food, came back out. Didn't give her the money. He gave her the food, and she was so pleased. He told me that story this morning. Good, God bless, brother. Thank you. He, he did not enable. He helped. He helped where the need was. There was hunger and there was food. And so he connected those with a couple of dollars he had in his pocket. Yes. Made that possible. Yes, sir. A lot of times when I hear that word enabling, it seems like there's always money tied to it. Mm -hmm. uh, are there other ways that we might enable somebody beyond the money? What are That's a good question. And, and there's an answer somewhere here. I, I've got a thought, but right here's an answer. So maybe specifically out of that, being honest with them about things that you see, money is a, a real critical thing, but other ways in which you fail to help them, you're still enabling them by letting them stay in that. We had a hand over here, and then I'll come back.
uh, you know, what is that saying about teaching a man how to uh, yeah. so he can get his own sandwich and those kind of things. So, you know, a person can also enable one in not helping them to think of the solution. And there are questions that you can ask so that they can come up with their answer uh, to a solution to a problem. So yes, enabling is not always about money. It's about uh, the be, uh, behavior as well. We can enable someone in their behavior. Mm -hmm. One more comment and then we'll, we'll go on. But More or less on Permo and his note because <laughs> the actions of somebody will tell you what they're all about. You have to hold them accountable for what they are told to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to follow up. And just to sum up what I've heard, mm -hmm. um, and, and it's, uh, I heard one fr a friend tell me there's there's this conversation that's called the 10% conversation. Most of the time, our conversations center around 90% of all the niceties. And there's that 10% of being honest with somebody that we don't like to deal with. Mm -hmm. And so he said most people are real good with the other part, but it's that 10% that we don't touch on. Mm -hmm. But so what I hear is that 10% is part of being honest. You have to, and then what I heard the sister over there talk about, um, I heard someone tell me, ask the person when, they, when they're asking you for something, put it back on them and say, well, what are you gonna do about that? Mm -hmm. So in, in instead of enabling, allowing them, you to, you, they put you in a position of enabling, you enable them by saying, well, that's, that's, I hear you. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. What's your plan? What's the plan? Yeah. The, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But a word that I haven't heard used but I think is important, and that's options. This individual doesn't see any other options than what he or she talks about. But there are other options. I mean, I don't know what they are necessarily, but by asking questions, you help them to open the door to other options, there's got to be a better way. That's insanity, as you well know, to keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. You know that's right, so help them see other options. We might enable them by not bringing up those options or asking them what are some other things they might do. Well, have the courage to be vulnerable. Four qualities of friendship, that, that's the relationship side of things that we're working on. Loyalty, right intention, discretion, and patience. All of those are involved in being a real friend. The third uh, matter that goes with this process is responsiveness. And this is kind of a, a difficult one in some ways uh, with the, some of the people that you'll be dealing with, but this is talking about getting something from them. Uh, those of you who've worked with something like Faith Encouragers at Hope Works, 
know that sometimes you have somebody who would like to talk and would like to share what they're doing and how they're trying to grow. And other times it's like pulling eye teeth. It's just not, not working real well. So they're not very responsive, so you're not able to have any mutual uh, interchange. Pray for the mentee to have a willingness to learn and the courage to be responsive, to speak out about what the situation is. Assure the mentee that he or she has a contribution to make. Most of them will not see themselves as having that ability. You and I, if we understand where, the way God looks at us, believes that every single one of them, as well as us, have something to say. What was it that Brandon said? We're all number one draft picks. Uh, we're, we all have something to say. If you read scripture, you know that God gave every single one of us a gift of something, maybe more than one, but at least he gave everyone. We used to say uh, when somebody wasn't doing very well or didn't get something right, well, he must have been behind the door when that was passed out. I don't know where that statement came from, but nobody's behind the door. When things were passed out, God gave each one of us something of value, and they gave that person, I don't care how long they've been in prison or what they've done, something good to be talking about. They have a contribution to make. Uh, the word submission is not a real uh, good word today. It seems like uh, we don't want to think about ourselves as submitting to anybody. That's, that's kind of a weak position. But I want to use that term in the sense in which you submit together with this person and you encourage their responsibility. You don't take a superior or an inferior position, but you take a role that encourages their responsiveness. It is a yielding to God and His work. Well, how can we move toward a submission that's a good submission? That, that's the way I want to use that idea. Knowing about the greatness of God and acknowledging Him as our Father. I don't know how you begin your prayers, but when Jesus taught His disciples, He began with acknowledging who His Father was. Our Father, which art in heaven. It probably would be a good idea for all of us to learn that we don't begin our prayers with, Lord, here's my list of things I need today. And then at, down at the bottom, just simply say, thank you. Start with who God is and how great and wonderful He is and how good He is. Um, acknowledge the Father. Something about your, yourself and about themselves. Self-knowledge. Self and then show a disdain, if it's, all, if it's at all possible, for earthly things. A supreme contempt for the earthly things and the way things are going in the world. That person needs to know you're not on board with, with the kinds of things that are going on in the world. You've got a different agenda because you're marching to somebody else's orders. And so you want to try to do what shows your appreciation for what you have, but not dependence upon that. You're depending upon the Lord, and that's what you want them to do. Maybe these questions encourage a response uh, from the people. Uh, tell me about your uh, attitude toward God or who you think God is. Who is God? Uh, it takes a little while to get to that question, but that's a good question because that'll tell how they're going to respond to anything. Who God is? Who do you see God as being? And the question, who are you? Who am I? Who are we before God? What is our relationship with God? I've tried to start my prayer more since thinking about this over a period of time, you know, with God, I know who you are and I appreciate who you helped me to be or something to that effect. So that I understand there's a relationship between the father and his children. 
But that's, an un, that's a relationship that needs to come out. Or you may ask the question, what are you called to do, do you think? What am I called to do? Life isn't always easy. One of the things you might do in, in this connection is look at Hebrews 11 with them. You may not want to turn to the passage, but you may want to, you know, that's the, the hall of faith. But look at the people that are there and what they did by faith. There were no easy rides for the folks that got into that chapter. And there were so many things that were done that when the writer of Hebrews gets to the, towards the end of that, he just starts naming names. Doesn't always tell what they did, but you can look elsewhere in the Old Testament, find out what kind of hills they had to climb. So help them to see that the ditch you're in is not the, uh, the only ditch, and you're not the only person who's ever been in one. And so help them to see who they could be. And maybe ask this question, where do you want to be in two years? Where do you want to be in five years? Ten years? Hopefully... <laughs> you'll reach out beyond their prison stay so that there'll be something else besides the prison bars that they're looking at all the time. But some way or another to get them to see beyond where they are. That's just another option. They see where they are. And if you don't help them see beyond that, then perhaps you're not going to get much responsiveness. And then uh, the fourth thing is accountability. Uh, this is a part of this relationship that we're trying to build. Accountability. This is based on relationship. It may be as simple as some basic questions. Uh, tell me about the highs and lows of this past week. Many of you are visiting on a weekly basis, maybe, maybe a daily basis, I don't know, but whenever you go. Tell me about the highs and the lows. There may not be any highs right now. might just be lows. But you're beginning to talk about a responsibility that the mentee has for where he is. And he begins to see himself for, for where he really is. But he begins to think about what he might do that's differently. The highs and lows of your week. A uh, question like, did you follow the disciplines that you chose for the week? Last time we were together, you said, I'm, I'm going to do this. Did you do that? Did you follow through with that? Did you learn something in that area? Did you talk to anybody else about that? How you might do better? You're helping them to be accountable. Maybe a statement, and this of course would go after a while of building that relationship. What have you heard God saying to you through the week? Well, the answer to that tells you a couple of things. One is, what is he saying? But number two, is he saying anything to you? Or are you listening to anything he's saying? Are you paying attention to the fact that there is a God and He does care? He loves you just like He loves me. And they don't think anybody loves them, especially not the people that are around them right now. But they don't see God's love. So what have you heard God saying to you through the week? Uh, in order to help with this, you might use the, some guided times of reflection. Uh, and I mean by that, looking back. Use your memory. See if anything was missed in your memory that might help you today. Maybe they're going back before prison time. Maybe they're going back to childhood. Maybe they're going back to a home that they had before they lost it all or whatever they're going back to. But something, looking back and reflecting upon that, did you have some good times? Was that a good feeling that when you had that relationship with your family or, or back at home or whatever it was where you felt protected? Well, you can have that again. You know, that's really possible because you had it once. You don't have it now, but you can have it again. Looking back gives an opportunity to reflection. Looking through 
By looking through, I mean going deeper. Uh, thinking on a different level. Getting down to this 10% area that we don't often talk about. Um, spend some time uh, thinking about what is of God in your life. Spend some time reading the Word. You know, we, we only uh, act out of what we think. And if we put this in the thinker, then this is the way we're going to act. If we lay this on the shelf and don't ever open it and read it, then obviously it's not going to have any bearing on us. So go deeper by getting into that Word, by reading it regularly, feeding your mind with good things. If you feed your mind with bad things, obviously you're going to get bad results. So look through. Also look forward. What would you like to have? I already asked the question two years, five years, ten years down the road. Consider tomorrow. Consider your future. Are you happy to live here like this for the rest of your life? Assuming that they are not going to be there the rest of their lives. I, I think most would say, no, this, I, don't, I wouldn't recommend this at all. I don't think this is a good thing. Well, there's some things you can do to change that when you get out. That's what we're trying to help these who are un, that we're trying to mentor. And then look around. And by looking around, I mean, where does your community fit in your life? Right now, it's kind of dog-eat-dog, dog, everybody for himself, and if I, if I don't stand up for myself, somebody's going to get my place or beat me down or whatever. It's kind of hard to think community. But when we start to think beyond ourselves and around us, that we have something to offer them, and we can bless somebody else, not just ourselves, but bless somebody else. We can be with somebody else. We can encourage somebody else. We can mentor somebody else. Help them to think about community. Look around and think about others. They may start, and Brandon made reference to this, and uh, perhaps others who, who have been incarcerated could make reference to this. Start doing something even in prison to help somebody else. That may not be the popular thing. Not ever having been a prisoner, I don't... I can't speak directly to that, but I do know that when you serve others, your life is better. I do know that when you serve others, you don't spend so much time thinking about yourself because there are other people who have needs just like you do. As you begin to reach out to others and start doing something for them and with them, then you realize, I do have a contribution to make and I'm feeling a whole lot better because I've done that. So looking around, and seeing how the community fits in. The goal of, of our work is maturity and empowerment. Growing. I don't know what the age of uh, prisoners is, what the average age is, but whatever it is normally, there's some more life left time-wise. There also is some more, there are some more ways to use the gifts that God has given them. But they have to see that, and so you want to help them grow up, if you please, to mature, and then to feel empowered, not so much by what you say or how you do it. Your friendship's going to be a part of that. You're getting response from them. Your accountability, all that fits in. But especially when they see that they're uh, in a relationship with God. They are a child of God, and God, through them, can do something worthwhile. We're coming to this from a spiritual standpoint, not just a... Uh, a community standpoint. We're coming at this from a different perspective than many might do. So maturity and empowerment. Um, you need to encourage the mentee with the challenge that David gave to Solomon. David said, Acknowledge the God of your father 
and serve Him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. So you might as well get over the fact that you're doing something in the dark. There is no dark from God. He's everywhere. I'm glad He's everywhere. They're not so glad, but they need to learn to be glad because He's there. I used to teach at Harding Academy, taught there 11 years, and uh, on my class wall I had a picture of Jesus. I don't know what Jesus looks like. You don't either. Not, nobody does. We have paintings of Him. But this particular painting of Jesus was one of those unusual paintings with the eyes that seemed to follow you. Wherever you go in the room, you've seen paintings like that. You don't get away from it. Had a student come to him and said, Mr. Sanderson, would you mind taking that picture down? I'm, I'm never out of the sight of Jesus. I said, that, that's really the point. We're not. And that's, a comfort, that's supposed to be a comforting thing, not a threatening thing. You know, he, he's not on our case. He's on our side. He's trying to help us, and he's watching to see. I know I had guardian angels growing up. When I think about some of the things I did as a kid, I'm surprised I'm here. And I know the Lord was watching after me. I, I was away from my parents. I know they were watching after me too, but did some stupid things away from them. The Lord had to have been watching over me. And I'm thankful. I'm glad to still be here today. We're, we're all grateful for that. But we want to be seen. And so David's message is, the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. You think it's not okay to talk to God in any fashion you feel, read the Psalms. They are outpourings of distress. And why in the world, God, is this going on? Read Job. Uh, you'll, you'll see that there's a, an exchange that goes on there. And finally, Job uh, gets, gets the message when uh, God talks to him about it, about how, how he, he wasn't responsible for anything and the Lord was for everything. Um, here's a challenge that the Lord gave to Joshua that you might give to your mentee as well. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And what a blessing that is. That's not a threat. That's Joshua 1.9. That's not a threat. We sang one of the passages you need to keep in your mind. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. Today's the day. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's not here. This is the day. As somebody said, there's no point in worrying about yesterday. It's gone. No point in worrying about what's coming down the pike tomorrow. It's not here. Spend your energies today. If you don't, the worry will suck all the life out of you, and you can't go forward. So help them to see that, and that's what that passage is. One of my favorites, too, is in, in uh, Psalm 143. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. Let the morning bring me word. A little later on that same passage, show me the way to go. So that's something that you and I need as we go forth. Well, I appreciate you listening, and I'd like to close with a word of prayer on our behalf. Dear Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege of being together. Thank you for these people who are serving you in very special ways, are in the trenches with some of the most discouraged people we have on, uh, in our country. And so I pray a special blessing to be upon them and their families. I pray a special blessing for those that are in prison for however long and for whatever the circumstances. Help them to realize that you still love them 
and that they have value in your sight. Help us to bring out that value in the work that we do. Please forgive us, dear Father, when we miss opportunities to do good and to say a good word on behalf of your Son, Jesus. We offer up this prayer in praise to you as our Father, in praise to your Spirit as our Helper, and in praise to your Son who is our Savior. And it's in His powerful name that we pray. Amen.